Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible in the Gospel of John, right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. Once again, you are eternally connected, and we are glad for it. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, who sponsors this program as we continue to make our way through the Gospel of John, the Word given to us by Christ through His Apostle, the Word of Life, the Word of Salvation, the Word of the Good News of Jesus' Resurrection. And uh, we pray all of you do know the truth of Jesus and the life that he brings, especially as we uh, celebrate this weekend the blessed life we really are blessed to have here in the United States uh, on Independence Day weekend. Um, The ability to sit down here on this radio program and share the gospel without fear of retribution and share our convictions and our faith with anyone who would listen. And we're certainly thankful for the many sacrifices of many people that made this possible. So happy Independence Day to everybody. Happy Fourth of July. Um, Even though it's coming on, what, Tuesday? Right. But the fireworks have somehow already begun. Yep, my my dogs are already (laughs) hiding in the basement. Jason, are they already uh, going off gangbusters in your area? Being a dog owner of three small dogs, they get pretty hyped up, but um, it's part of it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm not looking forward to the 4th of July at my house because if this if this is any indication of what's coming, I don't have three small dogs, but I do have a, a, a six-week-old yes. <laughs> at home, and it'll be uh, his first 4th of July, so we'll see how all of that goes but we have a basement so who knows maybe we'll be going down there too <laughs> there you go yeah you'll 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 get used to that so uh but you know what it, it's the only holiday that goes out with a bang but um bum there you go all right and uh, hopefully uh hopefully we go out with a bang but a, a good one yes as we start the final chapter oh my gosh of the it, i feel like we should have a, a giant a applause playing, or something. Yeah. clapping cheering we have finally come to the last in chapter the aisles. of john <laughs> It's, it's taken been, you how long? <laughs> it's been a while. Um, or, or Thomas is the, I won't believe it until I hear the last word. <laughs> Those guys, they just never. <laughs> so we are in uh, John chapter 21, uh, the final chapter of the Gospel of John. Jesus appearing for the third time to some disciples and uh, some important last words given to us by the apostle himself. So open your Bibles to chapter 21 of the Gospel of John, verse 1, while Chip prays for us. Lord, you're the giver of all gifts as our perfect and holy heavenly Father. Lord, as we read of your love given to us freely through your Son, Jesus, grant us willing hearts like those you gave to your disciples. Grant us that we would hear and be obedient to you. 
Help us find that peace that is only ours as you bring us closer to yourself. Thank you for sending Jesus, Lord, the name that you put above every other name, our King and our Lord. Amen. 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 So a little bit of review. We just got through chapter 20, which is John's account of the resurrection. Mary Magdalene there in the morning. Uh, Jesus is risen, comes to her. She first thinks he's the gardener. Uh, but by the simple use of her name, the good shepherd who calls his sheep by name, uh, opens her eyes to see Jesus for who he really is. She runs to tell the disciples who eh, eh, don't really believe it all that much um, until Jesus appears to them. Uh, all of them except Thomas and, of course, Judas Iscariot, who's, who's gone at this point also. Um, we don't know why Thomas was gone, as we, uh, we talked about. We know why Judas Iscariot has gone, but not so much Thomas. But then Jesus appears a second time to the disciples, locked in a room, afraid. Um, but this second time, Thomas is there. And we get those famous words from Jesus, those words of great encouragement to you and I who have not seen the Lord with our eyes and our head, but have seen him through the eyes of faith. When Jesus tells Thomas, have you believed because you've seen, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, believed through the word of God. That word given to those disciples, Jesus breathed his Holy Spirit on them, how we read about that, so that they would have the power, the conviction to go and testify to Jesus' resurrection, um, even to give us the words that we're reading here today. And John reminded us of that just before chapter 21. In verse 30, he said, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of disciples which are not written in this book, but the things we have decided to write to you were written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You know, I didn't have a chance to ask last week because uh, we ran out of time, but it this seems very much like an end, like John could have just stopped here mm -hmm. uh, because he essentially summarizes his whole gospel in Here's the purpose. Mm -hmm. This is written. All these are written that you may believe. And yet then we start chapter 21. It's just interesting. Yeah, and there's a lot of scholarly debate on um, maybe, I mean, we do know there was a, a school of John or a Johannine school okay. of, of his quote-unquote disciples. Not that they were following John instead of Jesus, but he was an apostle teaching them, right? right? As Paul says, you follow my example as I follow Christ's example, and that's how it's passed on. And there's some that uh, posit that maybe John did end his book here and his students, uh, knowing that it wasn't finished, finished it for him. I, I tend to think uh, because... Chapter 21, spoiler alert, ends very similarly. So ch chapter 21 ends in verse 25 with, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So it would, to me, it would seem superfluous for John to, uh, for, for John's students to, to insert that yeah. insert that when he already said that, but it makes a whole lot more sense for John, who, by the way, as we're going to see, doubles back on stuff increasingly as the gospel ends sure. to restate the same point twice to make sure that we get it. And we have seen that throughout, especially the character interactions, the woman at the well, Nicodemus. These are themes that John keeps hitting on in slightly different ways. So I, I think it's very consistent with uh, 
Johannine authorship. Okay. So, uh, reminds us that uh, these words have been written so that we would believe, uh, reminding us that it's through words that faith is given. Mm-hmm. We're going to see those words of Christ revealing Christ yet again to these disciples who have even already seen him with their eyes. So, in verse 1, after this, after Jesus revealed himself to Thomas in that great confession. And they're in a room there. Yeah, they're in a room there. Yep, so after that second appearance of them in the room with Thomas there, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, a couple things that are really important to point out here. I just mentioned how John doubles back on things, Mm -hmm. right? Now, John doesn't record this necessarily in his gospel. He does say they dropped their nets and left everything to follow him. But again, John's writing his gospel after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I think John is intentionally bringing back to our mind what Luke recorded in chapter 5 when Jesus came and they were catching nothing, right? And you had that miraculous catch of fish. Mm -hmm. Here they are yet again at the end of Jesus' life, the scene repeating itself. They're in the boat. um, They're going fishing. They catch nothing. And who shows up again? So there's something very intentional I think John's calling on here for us to take away. I also think it's significant that if you go back to verse 2, there were seven of them, and they were together. And I'm a little fuzzy here, um, so, I, so sorry for interrupting, but Jesus revealed himself again to disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. But it didn't it didn't really say what the interaction is. Are we going It's re- coming. Okay. Yeah, he said it happened in this way at the end of verse 1. Stay tuned. Yeah. He revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and this is how he did it. This is how he revealed himself. So the next question is, why the, is there anything special to, you know, to these disciples versus the rest, you know? Yeah, we're not told where the other ones are. We're not even aware of who the other two are, but when we go back to the beginning of the gospel, we see some familiar names. Um, these were the fishermen that were called in the beginning, right? This is kind of full circle is what John's indicating to us. Um, I, I think the important thing I want to pull away from this in the time that we have is that after Jesus is risen from the dead, they've seen him, they've believed, they're still together. And by the way, what are they doing? Everyday living. The very same thing they were doing when Jesus called them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's hugely significant. I think so many times, and we talked about this a little bit in our sermon this past Sunday, um, when Jesus is sending out his 12 for the first time in Matthew 10. So many times I think we envision following Jesus as our risen Lord as meaning we have to go do something else. Right? There's something new. There's something extra I have to do. To be a true disciple of Jesus, I have to do something new. Where I think following Jesus, 
always starts with what you're already doing. And it goes from not what you're doing, but who you're doing it for. And, and Jesus here is going to show how important it is that his disciples are still fishermen. Because after all, he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men, right? Well, and, and that recalls back to when he first called them. Even when he asked his disciples to follow him, he didn't call them away from the gifts they had, the life they had. They were fishermen. He just said, I'm going to change the bait, and I'm going to change the catch. You're going to fish for men now. And I think that's really important for us to digest when we think about what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, first of all, it means to follow together as disciples, as a church, as a body of believers. But it also means following in your life as it is now, not necessarily something new. There's got to be some limitations to that, though, because, you know, let's take somebody that has spent a life of crime uh-huh. and stealing or deception starts following Jesus maybe that can't continue no but i can give you a story of that i know personally i won't use their name but i i know personally of a lifelong criminal um who was a car thief who jesus revealed himself to and yes obviously he stopped stealing cars but instead he used that knowledge to help inform police of the tricks and the methods and the methodology to now help them prevent these crimes. And so he would continue to perfect <laughs> his, his craft, if you will, of how to break into stuff that's not yours. But now he's using that for the sake of good. So, yes, I think if you start following Jesus, and maybe I can put it this way, if your focus is simply Christ and not what you have to start or stop doing, He'll take care of that. You just start following him right where you're at. Don't worry about what you have to do for him or not do for him. He's already done it all for you. These fishermen didn't have to go learn a new trade. They didn't have to go do something else. They just went back to what they knew, and the Lord met them there. And I think that's significant. The Lord will meet us right where we're at. And if he wants something changed, believe you me. <laughs> <laughs> he can take care of it. I think so often we get focused on what we have to do for him that we miss him. So they went out and they got into the boat, but they caught nothing, just like before. This is, this is not something new for fishermen, by the way, right? If any of you have been out there fishing, sometimes you just doesn't go the way that you want. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore and the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. I find it interesting as you read that, that they did not know him or good yeah why why might they not know him because there's there's some similarities and differences here between mary magdalene who was talking to jesus and saw jesus and didn't recognize him and i think why they might not be recognizing him here well i mean they, they're on a boat 
Yep. He's on shore. Yep. We don't know how far away that we is. We actually do. If you go down to verse 8, we haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Um, the other disciples came in the boat, in verse 8, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. Well, at that rate, you should be able to recognize who it is then. 100 yards? Well, plus it says just as day was breaking, so it's yep. probably fairly dark. Yep. So if I'm on a football field, I should be able to, yeah, I mean, I've stood there many times. I can tell who's at the other end. When it's dark? Uh, I didn't catch that part. Yep. It says, it says just when, as day was breaking. Yeah, day was breaking. You're in on the boat. Uh, again, I don't think this, though, is necessarily recognizing him with their eyes. I think John is setting up this scenario where it's it's not that they don't believe he's alive. They've seen him twice, but they're not recognizing him here in this context, in this everyday work that they were doing before. And and it almost suggests like they didn't really expect to see him there. Right. (laughs) And you can understand that a little bit. You're a disciple. You left for three years and watched Jesus do some stuff that just blew your mind. And now he's risen. He's, He's going back to the Father, and you really don't expect to see him when you go back to your normal everyday job. And yet, boom, here he is. And how is it, regardless of why they didn't recognize him? I mean, <laughs> if John was telling the story, be like, does it really matter why we didn't know why it was him? Here's the point. We didn't know it was him, but how did we come to know that it was Jesus? We heard him. We heard him. He gave us instructions. We obeyed those instructions. Right. And then the catch came in, and as soon as that quantity of fish came in, what did that bring to the mind of the disciples? Something Jesus already did three years earlier. The disciple whom Jesus loved in verse 7, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And that, that to me is why I think John is ending his gospel this way, especially after saying in verse 30 that these things are written so that you would believe. These words. It's Jesus' words, his command, and the faithful obedience to that command. Not necessarily the miracle itself, because if they would have never cast that net on the other side of the boat, right? And so through that word, not only do they believe because of the word, but that word refers them back to what Christ has already done. And that's huge for you and I, who John's writing to, who don't get the privilege of being on a boat with Jesus. That when we read the word of God, what it should be doing is creating faith in us because we look back on what God has done for us. Not necessarily what he's going to do or not going to do, but what he has done for us. And this is, lines up right with what Jesus told him, right? When I send you out there, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and what is he going to do? Bring to remembrance everything I've said. Remind you of yep. what I have said. Mm-hmm. And that is what is happening in Scripture. So many people, I think, miss the power of the Word of God, and they misread it when they, when they expect the Word of God to reveal something new to them. Well, no. Jesus is coming to his own disciples and working through common everyday things. But your obedience to the word in those common everyday things is what will reveal the miraculous work and presence of God in our life. And that's what John sees. Well, and speaking from experience, the more I've read over the years, 
and continue to read, the more things that I do are brought to remembrance in my own memory. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I am certainly not a biblical scholar, but I definitely can tell you after years of, of faithful reading that, you know, when I do hear things uh, as we're studying in church uh, or I'm doing my own study, things are brought back to memory that I wouldn't have had had I not spent the time reading his word. Yeah, and it's not only the recollection of the word from the preaching and teaching of the word, they recognized Jesus through fishing. Right. So when we have that word in our hearts, and this is why it's important to know the word, right? If Jesus said, if you have my words and they abide in you, you will know the truth and it will set you free. I can see Jesus in my common everyday job because things will happen in that job that will bring the word to life in my heart that are going to remind me of what God has already said in his word. And, and, and that's the emphatic point I'm trying to make, is that we can't understand what's happening in our life now, nor will we understand what's coming, unless we look at that and understand that through the words Christ has already given us. So when Simon Peter hears this, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and that just means the, the, the outermost garment, because he wanted to be able to put it on when he went to see the Lord, be presentable. Uh, he put it on, and he threw himself into the sea. To the, swim to shore? To swim to shore, because that's just how Peter rolls. Yep. <laughs> he was ready, excited. Ready, fire, aim. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's Peter's MO, and I can relate to that a little bit. Yep. Um, the other disciples, however, came in the boat. <laughs> they didn't throw themselves into the sea. They rowed ashore, dragging the net full of fish. For they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. Here's impetuous Peter again, leaving all the rest of us to drag this giant net full of fish back to shore while he, without thinking, jumps in the water and <laughs> Uh, and, and it is, right? I mean, going up back up to uh, the beginning of, of chapter 21 when it says that they were together in verse 2, you, you see this humanity of the disciples, right? And that it really does take a fellowship of believers, all different types of personalities. Uh, no one can do it right alone. And the disciples are still working together even with, even with their oddities there. When they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it. And bread. Boy, what does that remind you of? Anything? Eh. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Now, if you're thinking through this, this is a little odd, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus just gives them more fish than they can handle and tells them, bring it ashore. They bring it ashore, and he's already got fish cooked for him, plus bread, kind of like feeding the 5,000. I was just getting ready to say that. It's very reminiscent of that, you know, you, although it's not the same, it, it's the overabundance and plentiful nature that makes me think of it. Absolutely, and you're hitting it on the head. Jesus is, can easily provide whatever it is that we need or that he wants, right? Jesus needs nothing from us. The beautiful part of this passage is Jesus just proved, I can command fish to go into your net anytime I want. I've already got it here. I can provide this for you. I don't need you. I'm not calling you and sending you because I need you. 
If that's what you think, you're going to miss it. I'm calling and sending you because I'm giving you the opportunity to participate in my miraculous work of salvation. So Jesus provides for them and then invites them to bring some of their fish and brings his provision and their provision together. And yes, just like at the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus manifests this bread and fish, but then who does he have handed out? He gives it to his disciples and says, you feed him. I mean, I don't know how you can't get excited about serving the Lord at that point, that the Lord takes our meager offerings that he's provided for us and says, bring it here. Bring me what you have. Bring what I've given to you, all broken that you are, and I'm going to bring that together with my heavenly holy provision, and, and this is how we're going to save souls, bring hope, bring life. We get to participate with God and, in and that miraculous work. He's not, I mean, God's not doing it for himself. He's doing it for us. Right. And this is, this is why I think if, if we get this in our heads as the church, we'll start to see the change that so many of us have been longing for and complaining hasn't come. But as long as we keep seeing ministry as somehow an obligation that we owe to him, where it's never going to catch fire. It's never going to spread. It's never going to be a joy. But as soon as you read this passage and you see, oh, the Lord needs nothing for me, but he wants everything with me. As soon as you understand that the Lord's saying, hey, Chip, Jason, Pastor Jay, bring me what you got. Bring me what I've given you, your job, your family. Bring it to me. Look, I already, I've already got more here, but bring it to me. And I, I want to make your joy complete. God's going to save his elect. There's no doubt about that. He will complete his work. He gives us the invitation to participate in that. And so we don't, we don't bring people to Jesus or all we have to Jesus because we think that it's in our bringing that salvation is accomplished. No, we bring it to him because salvation is accomplished. And he alone has that power. And that's what we see happening throughout the rest of uh, this account. In verse 11, Peter went aboard, hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was, was not torn. Again, a throwback to the earlier account that happened the same way. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of his disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So as we, as we read 9 through 14, to me, I heard the Last Supper. Yes. The Lord's Supper is all about what Jesus provides for us. Amen. Yeah. It's all about him coming to us in very simple things. And through that, through the Supper... Christ is revealed to us. His grace is revealed to us. His forgiveness is given to us. It's a meal for the sake of receiving what Christ is giving. And in this moment, he's clearly giving faith through this meal and this time with his disciples. We pray our time together in God's word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. 
If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.